Hey everybody, welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. I'm Scott. And I'm Sachin. And here we are, first episode of 2013. In a new location on the couch. <laughs> oh man, things are getting crazy. Look out! Yeah, it's really cold in San Francisco. So yeah. I decided, <laughs> decided to shut off a wing of my house. <laughs> I like that your house has wings. It's pretty so cool. We That's closed the east off, wing, isn't it? It's the it's the east wing. We closed out the east wing. We're in the west wing now. Wow, yeah. this so, is this is nice. This the west wing is much uh, more bright. Yeah, it's a lot brighter. It's got more windows. Yeah, it's got more open feel. You yeah. know, uh, when we were designing it, we decided that we would you know set it up this way so that we could move between the wings. You know, <laughs> do you have servants downstairs? Uh, that, in, the, in the other part, in the other quarters, yeah. But we don't really bring them out for guests, so we don't like to talk about it. But, oh, uh, I see. Oh, they're not, not, they're not like they're not showy servants. They're kind of like Igor type servants. We like to keep it humble around here. We <laughs> put on appearances that we do our own scrubbing and lifting. <laughs> but I guess the truth is out amongst our listeners. But yeah, so it's cold. We shut off the east wing. I did actually hear that it's like it's supposed to be really cold. This in the last like two days or so, oh, like, like I I don't know where I heard. Yeah, this, it's but. been. I mean, it's been cold, and like you know, overnight we're leaving the heater on, which for us Ooh. is a big deal. We put on an extra blanket on the bed, and like you know, I'm all wrapped up in all my clothes and all, all day, all night. You know, like no, uh, I don't take my jacket off when I come home, or if I do, I take it off and I put something else on immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enough weather talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you just got back from a big trip. Yeah, I got back from India. That was pretty... Uh, that was good. It was a short trip. Usually I go for much longer. Mm-hmm. Like, But we only went for 10, 12 days. I guess 12 days, yeah. It was good. It was good. We went, We did some family stuff, saw a wedding. I guess you could say I'll put hand, air quotes, authentic Indian wedding. Right. You know, in India. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it, I think... I think in life you find out that the word authentic doesn't really mean anything because it's like <laughs> even, there's no authentic anymore. Like everybody does their own thing anyway. This wasn't like a five day wedding like you hear about, and all the events were not necessarily in the order that one might expect. Mm-hmm. But it's like it wasn't like that movie monsoon wedding. No, it wasn't like that, and even that wasn't very authentic, right? Because it, they had like all sorts of like drama there and like oh. things like that, you know. And, well, maybe is, maybe so. Either authentic, there's nothing that's authentic, or everything is authentic. Exactly. But that's the, I think the word. It's like infinity equals zero. I think that's my takeaway, or that's always been my theory. It's like everything's authentic. It's authentic mm-hmm. if you feel it authentically, and then it's fine. You know, like don't worry about whether it's the right way or the wrong way. It's like as long as it works, then it works. So it worked. They got married, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In that sense, it was an authentic wedding. People were there. There was, there was definitely. <laughs> A marriage happened. Yeah, yeah. Relatives got together. You know, we watched it. You know, it was good. Pictures were taken. All right, cool. And it was good. It was like on my dad's side, so it was my cousin from my dad's side. So all the it was kind of like a family reunion, as weddings are. Yeah. And then my wife, she's never been to India, so or met my family or whatever. The huge extended family, so that was a good opportunity for her to see them and them to see her. Right. And then uh, the next day we had a big reunion on my mom's side. With like a hundred people there, you know, my mom has like a ton of uncles, and each uncle has like a ton of kids, and mm-hmm. it's just like expansive, you know. And then you feel kind of bad because you go to these things, and you're just like, I don't know every single person's name here, right? And yeah. I know most people because we've gone and visited them before as I was growing up as a kid, and we would just go to house to house to house to visit people, but it's difficult, you know. And it's difficult because when you come to the, you know the new country, I guess you could say I'll put that in air quotes also. 
how much of a contact do you have? Like, how much connection do you have with that as the years go by? You yeah. Know? And then, it, and then when you have kids and they have kids, and you know, it's just you. It's this weird thing where you feel like you're losing touch with your your roots, mm-hmm. you know, or like your ancestry. Mm-hmm. But then it's just at the same time, it's like, what am I gonna do? You know, I can't, I yeah. can't keep in contact with like each generation's multiplication factor yeah you know of like thousands of people eventually by the time I'm 50 it's like oh yeah this person's kids and this person's nephew and this person's niece and that cousin and this you know I don't know it's a it's a weird thing but yeah so we met all these people yeah you know and then it's and, it's kind of like the you know the kind of expansion of the family tree is is also sort of like the uh the clearing out of the attic or you know in a sense like like in in the other direction it's like well you can't keep everything that grandma had right and she at one point couldn't keep everything that you know that great grandma had and so it's like you just sort of have to pick and whittle it down yeah it's it's but it's difficult when it's people right yeah and and especially when it's like blood right right like it's like this is these are people i've actually related to yeah and family is you know the word family is such a laden word with like you know meaning and import and, mm-hmm. you know connection you can't just pair off family can you but i think when push comes to shove <laughs> it's what you do right <laughs> you heard it here first folks such as pairing off sections of his family just like wings of his house <laughs> dead to me dead to me <laughs> well i think it's not so much that it's just like it's just you you stay in touch with with some people and you don't you kind of lose well, touch yeah. with some people yeah and, I mean just you know. like with your friends right yeah but you'd like to think that there's something a little more uh, sacred to your family but. yeah well and also though I mean like you know it, with each layer outwards like horizontally on the family tree you, it could make sense that you know you have a little less contact no, it's like sure. alright my first cousin I know yeah, my second cousin once removed, I've met. But you know, you even know, even your first cousins, like some people have really big families. So I have yeah. like you know five, six, you know, like uh, aunts and uncles. Like your yeah. mom may have five or six brothers and sisters. She has seven. So there you go, yes. right? And if you're the youngest, and the oldest is like a gen- like literally a generation ahead of you, yeah. even though technically you're the same generation, yeah. it's like you have nothing in common, and you're not really gonna keep in contact with them, which right. is it's odd to me. Yeah, you know, because I've. I feel like I've been pretty close with my family. Growing up, we would visit all of them. And I only I have three aunts, yeah. basically, and they each have two kids. So, like, I know all my my cousins, and I see them on a regular basis at least every year or yeah. two. But it's getting to... I mean, and that was it was easier when we were all younger, mm-hmm. you know, because you would always go for Christmas. You would right. always go... Well, and you had, you had fewer moving parts yeah. in the whole picture. It was like, all right, well, we have, like, six families you know that yeah. that all get together because we had six siblings but yeah. and they yeah. all had 20 kids or, or whatever but now it's like every one of those 20 yeah. kids is an independent yeah. operating yeah. thing so yeah. so it's weird I mean you have to pair cousins which is like not even like oh it's not second cousins and third cousins or you know uncles and aunts it's like that's my cousin you know yeah. like I'm just not gonna talk to that person anymore because they're just on another part of the the world, and they do another part of you know they do another thing, and they're in a gener- different generation, mm-hmm. and they have a different life. 
when you say you're not going to talk to them, do you mean that in sort of a declarative sense or in like, oh, a realization, like I probably won't talk to a, them? A, a realization okay. slash yeah. practical sense. All right, it's yeah. just like, let's all be real about it. You know, it's like, I'd love to. <laughs> but I mean, you know, given all the other people I've talked to, it's just not going to happen, right? I mean, there's sort of a, there's sort of a, a time factor yeah. getting in here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird, actually, so when I'm, you know, when I'm talking about this reunion that we went to, all my mom's aunts and uncles live in the same town mm-hmm. like six aunts and uncles or whatever all live in the same town in India where they all grew up and all I mean it's like it's that's borderline like I don't know what I'm, the word I'm looking for it's like but where do you find in this day and age in this country people who stay in the same city or even the same area like the Bay Area for example yeah. you know it's like yeah. my sister doesn't live here anymore right you know and she may come back but she may not I mean it's like this is kind of like we're right on the decision point for her anyway. Like, uh-huh. you know, they're, once they find the place where they settle or they find that job that's going to, like, kind of, like, lock them in, because her husband's still doing her, his postdoc. So uh-huh. it's like, I think... So once, he's got a year or two. To yeah, but once he... Maybe once he finds... I mean, maybe he'll move around later on, but, like, once he finds, like, that next job, it's like, that's probably where we'll be for the next 10 years. Yeah. Well, and, if he's a professor, though, they actually do move every once in a while. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But it won't be for, like, 10 years, right? right. It'll be like, yeah. I'm going to live here for a while. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're the kind of professor that moves along around a lot, or maybe he doesn't do professor, maybe he just goes in in the industry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the point is, like, you know, it's one thing when you're in grad school or even a couple of years after grad school where you're like bouncing around and finding jobs and things like that. But sometimes at some point, I think a lot of people say, "Well, this is well." They don't say it, but it, it, in effect, happens that this is where I am, yeah. and I'm probably not leaving. Yeah. You know, like there's no reason for me to pick up and leave and in fact there's a reason for me not to pick up and leave because yeah. my whole support is here even if it's not my family it's all my friends and things like that and to move to another city when you're like 42 and have no friends and no like people to hang out with it's difficult right? that would be tough that would be tough there, uh, my my mom's family like I said she has seven siblings so there's eight of them and everybody has actually a, a number of them have grandkids now yeah they all do a a family reunion uh, every, I don't know if it's every year or every two years, uh, somewhere back east. Um, but I don't see, like, like you're saying, I don't see that, like, continuing past this generation. Like, it's all the kids of one couple. And I don't know if they get any cousins or anybody, anybody else there, but, I mean, their family's big enough. It's like, you've got eight siblings... They're they're gonna have a lot of people, and so a family reunion is gonna be a big deal. Um, but like, you know, when when my parents pass away, or or you know, some of the other ones pass away, like, are all the younger generations still gonna be able to get to that that greater family reunion of my grandparents? Yeah, you know, it so. seems like they're gonna they're gonna have to dissolve that one and kind of spin off new family reunions. Right? right? Yeah, like, we have new patriarchs now. It's yeah, like, I used to be just more one of like seven brothers and sisters but now it's the oh now it's the Smiths you know family mm-hmm. reunion and I'm now the new patriarch or whatever it's just it's that's real it's happened you know countless generations upon generations yeah. for humankind but it's just to be in it and to be experiencing it it's, just, it's odd you know it's like it's something that kind of catches me uh, off guard off guard a little yeah. bit you know especially no, when it's so in your face like it was I guess not more than a week ago I hear you, yeah. Like, I, I actually have felt a little off guard myself, uh, or caught off guard a bit lately, just sort of like, 
like I feel like this this issue uh, has underneath it sort of a, a sense of mortality and stuff like that. The mortality is the big word, right? Yeah, the, the M word. Right? And and uh, and thinking about myself now, I am I'm about to turn thirty three, and I'm still kind of in this like floating around stage, you know, and uh, and and I haven't had sort of a, a really solid ground under my feet uh, in terms of uh, economics for a, more than a year, you know? Um, and it's... Uh, and and just sort of seeing issues like over the holidays, lots of family, um, but then also uh, I just traveled to Ecuador, visited my uh, girlfriend's family down there, and reading this book that we've talked about before the the crash course um and it's sort of you know uh I, it's not a doom and gloom book but there is a bit of a sense of that uh i think you know yeah. like like oh everything's gonna change nothing is really stable yeah sort of thing then then you when when there's an instability to everything it really does sort of make you think about these yeah these you know issues. what i think maybe all, on top of that like i think instability is a good like uh, keyword there but also i think Instability happens when you know you graduate or you lose your job or whatever. But this is kind of almost more instability because instability, just by living, yeah, you know, just by living, your parents' age, your aunt's age, your uncle's age, and it's like when you grew up, you just had family everywhere. You like you know you go to Christmas and other people just show up and they were always there. Yeah, you know, and it's like to have them. I mean, I'm not so. It's not unsettled about my own mortality. It's almost more like. God, I can't imagine if my relatives weren't there. Yeah. You know, because they've always been there. It would just be so... Even though I don't even see them much more than once a year, maybe less, yeah. you know? It would be this, like, part of me was just, like, loneliness. This sort yeah. of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm alone. When everybody around you who's always been there, like, just mentally is just not there anymore. It's just kind of like... It's freaky, you yeah. know? It's it's just... Oh, boy. And, it, you know, it's not anything that's new or different. It's so... it's. It's almost like trite. You yeah. Know, like, it's just even voicing it. It's like, yeah, we know. There's been books written about it. There's movies about it. We right. get it. You know? But experiencing just, it is different. Experiencing it for yourself and, like, you know, commiserating with your own, like, generation, mm-hmm. like we are right now. It's just, I guess it's something. But it's, yeah, it's a little um, sad, even just. I mean, it's like, I'm getting, to, I, I've gotten sad just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, whereas, like, it's never occurred to me, like, before, like, now. Because, like, when you see your aunts and uncles, you can see the age in them a little bit. Whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're growing up, I think I never really noticed, oh, she's getting a little older. Yeah. You know, but here it's like, oh, she's getting a little older. Yeah. What is she going to look like next time I see her? I don't want, I mean, she's still, or he's still, like, you know, like, oh, I really love my aunt and uncle, or whatever it is, or my second uncle or you know whatever but it's like I don't want them not to be there yeah. you know? and I don't and I also don't want to see that that phase where they're not themselves right you know yeah so that it's it, mortality is part of it you know and then the unsettled part of it and then it's just sort of like the out of your control part of it and then there's the I don't see them enough you know yeah. I mean what, what if they lived in San Francisco or like the Bay Area I mean would I see them more often or would I be annoyed by it you know because <laughs> it's, it's almost like I was going back to my cut my cousins all my family and stuff can you imagine living in the same town with six of your aunts and uncles or six of your brothers and sisters like yeah. would you see them more or would you just like would it almost be like well yeah they're across the bridge I'll see them <laughs> you know like I mean how often do you think you'd see your brother if he lived in the Bay Area you know I mean yeah. Right. And he had his own job, and he had his own life, his own his own family, or whatever, his own like 
wife or whatever yeah. it is, you know. Yeah. You guys lived in, you know, and the Bay Area is a pretty big place. Mm-hmm. So let's say he lived up in uh, Santa Rosa, which is not like so far up above the Bay Bridge but it's or a the Golden West. Gate. Yeah. And, and let's say you were, d- and you lived down in like San Mateo. That's mm-hmm. a good hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe you lived in like Fremont or Hayward, which is a good two hours. Still the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. But it's like two hours. Wow, really? I don't think I'm going to go all the way up there to see you, you know? But we'll talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, maybe a birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quarterly. Quarterly. Can we agree on quarterly? <laughs> so anyway, it, just going back um, to India, for me, it's like that kind of, that stuff kind of comes up because it's, it's weird that, like, you know, these people have been growing up seeing, but they're different every time and like yeah forgetting their names and like or not their names per se but just like not being like on the tip of my tongue right and not being like oh remember last time we hung out like yeah. no I don't because it was five years ago or maybe it was ten you know yeah. so yeah but after that so anyway we did the family union mm-hmm. and then we went to uh, went to a place called Goa which is kind of like a more tropical resorty place in India right. it's almost like Hawaii how was that? It was really cool, actually. Nice. We, it was a really good experience. We stayed at uh, a really nice hotel. Okay. It wasn't, like, opulent. It mm-hmm. wasn't like that. But it was just, like, it was kind of like, uh, well, India, and I think a lot of these countries, uh, probably Ecuador, I'm imagining, is, can be a little rowdy. Mm-hmm. Can be a little, like, just kind of grating on you all uh-huh. the time. Just, like, always, like, just, like, you know, schlepping from one place to the other. Yeah. Your feet are always dirty. And, like, you know, there's people everywhere. And there's motorcycles and the exhaust. And there's animals running across the street. And yeah. Just things like that, you know. And, you know, itself, I don't really mind this stuff. But it's nice to... We went... We, we stayed this kind of, like, uh, basically, it wasn't... I wouldn't call it a hotel, per se. But it was, like, a resort. Or, like, not even a resort. But, okay, we'll call it a hotel. But it was <laughs> on, like, a compound where there was these kind of, like, Portuguese-style buildings. And it was really, like, kind of expansive. Yeah. And there were only 24 rooms there, so it wasn't really bustling. Mm-hmm. But it was just... It was off the, the road. Uh-huh. So it was quiet. Okay. You know, and there's yeah. a lot of, like... They had, like, planted a lot of plants. Yeah. You know, and there was just kind of, like, some open space. Was it on the beach as well? It wasn't on the beach. It wasn't even on the beach. So okay. it was, like... It was um, 15 minutes from the beach. Okay. Walking. Okay. Cool. So it wasn't that far. Yeah, so like I said, it wasn't exactly like four star luxury lo- living or like that, but it's just it's a cool like calming place to kind of hang out. But then we also went out and saw the town and went to the beach and you know, palm trees, coconut, actual coconut palms with actual coconuts. Yeah, in there, you know, yeah. Not like desert palms or whatever. Not, mm-hmm. And like I mean, they just grew. You know, you know, like they weren't like you have to feel. Oh, they brought these in from the desert. And <laughs> it doesn't rain here. Or whatever. This like, is its place. <laughs> this is this, its is, place. this yeah, is where the coconut legit, should right? be. That's cool. That's cool. So, so how long were you in Goa for? We were there for about five days. I think right. four nights, five days. All right. Yeah, so we got there and then stayed. And then, yeah, it was good. It was good. On the last, on the very last day, we had a pretty good trip, you know, health wise. But on the very last day in Goa, in Goa, it's like a lot of like um, Western European people there. Okay. Yeah, which is actually kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could say that. Maybe you might agree. But like in Ecuador, maybe it's the same way. But like, if you actually see like a. A Western person, I guess you could say, like, uh, like oh, whoa, <laughs> they stand out, you know, it's like, yeah. what, what are you doing here? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm the only Western person in the city, you know. It's in, in Ecuador, it's not, it's not as much, I mean, because a lot, I mean, most of the population in Ecuador is, is of uh, Native American descent, yeah, but. But there is there was a good amount of Spanish influence, and now there's kind of this influx of like. American and Canadian retirees yeah. also yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's there's a good amount of uh, of 
Westerners, and there's just like a good amount of over the last however many years, uh, U.S. influence or Western like but economic is, influence. Is that city to city though? Is there like a city that's like, oh, this is where all the Americans come to retire, or is it like the whole country? There, well, there is a there is one city in particular that's sort of like the American retiree community. Uh, but but I'm talking about that's not Quito. Quito is the capital, but even right. in Quito, it's like. Pretty it's not uncommon to, okay. Pretty to cosmopolitan. It's very cosmopolitan, yeah. It's crazy though. I know what you're talking about with like just the the like intensity of the like I did a hell of a lot of driving while I was there. I was driving all over Ecuador. I was doing sort of like errand type stuff for uh for Emily's family. And like driving there is just a lot more intense right. than driving. Like, like, it's not like there's no lane discipline. Well, there's a little more than than in some places. Okay, like okay. like yeah, I, like I've been to uh, Nepal, and in Nepal, it's like there's no lane whatsoever. There's right. just like if there is room for three vehicles across, there will be three vehicles and a half across. You know, like uh, but in in Ecuador, it's like all right, there are at least lanes marked right on right. the road. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> people, you know, people at least sort of. I think from what I heard. People are getting better in the sort of respect of others on the road thing in Ecuador, uh, but it's still not at kind of the the U.S. levels of yeah. you know yeah. safety on the road. Like I mean, if you were on a road, I feel like in in one of these countries, just any country, and like you're the only person on the road, and it's it's there's a line down the middle, you might just drive right over that line. Feel like I'm going to be in the middle of the road. That just makes a lot more sense, right? You know? Yeah. Whereas like here. Middle of the night, three in the morning, you know, middle of Montana, you'll stay on the left, on the right side of the road. Whatever right side of the road you ought to be on, you'll stay in that lane, right there, right. boom, you know. But yeah. like, in, in these countries I'm talking about, we're like, you know, you just, well, the road's only so wide, I'll just stay right in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> I mean, if, somebody, if I see somebody come, they'll move over. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, but here's the thing. some In some places, it's like, if I see somebody come, I'm not moving they have to move, like, and that's sort of where it's like, okay, this is not a good situation. Like, we need to we need to come to some sort of mutual agreement right. of who gets what side of the road, right. and uh, and we can go from there. But uh, but that's cool. So, did you go from going back to the states or somewhere else? We went no, we went back to to Mumbai for one okay. day, right. and then just kind of like uh, I guess you know if you're being cautious, you know if you have a connection in another city. Then you go to that city probably a day early. Right, you don't want to. And we do this a lot. We always like regret it. Not regret it, but we're always like, ah, like we, where we were was awesome. <laughs> and, you know, like even when we were in Costa Rica, for example, we'd be we were at the beach and we came back to San Jose, and it's like San Jose is all right. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's like you know, it's San Jose, Costa Rica. I guess you know, like you'd rather be on the beach, you know, just hanging out and like on the beach, you know, yeah. but. Your flight's out of San Jose, so you got to come back to San Jose. And, like, you know, who knows what happens? A chicken truck overflows, and, you know, like, you're stuck on the road or something like that. You know, you don't know. That's somewhat condescending, but we'll, <laughs> we'll let it fly. Irregular Search for Truth hate mail can be sent to such a... Come on, now. Irregular Search for Truth at gmail.com. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. So, we, I mean, we spent the last day in Mumbai, and it was fine, actually. We we did some sightseeing. We saw, like, these caves that had been carved out, and... Oh, cool. uh, we went. We have some family in Mumbai, obviously. Maybe it's not obvious, but we do. So we saw them. Have you been going to Mumbai since you were a little kid? Yeah. So have you seen the explosion and sort of the change from Bombay to Mumbai? Like, just actually this time, it really was like 
night and day, I thought. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, in the past, I never really noticed too much. But I think I think I, this is the exact right time to have gone. I think it's been five years since I went last. Okay. And, I mean, the airport was just, like, phenomenally different. You know, it was just, like, well, part of it was still a little bit old school. But part, like, once you got out, it was, like, oh, this is, like, an actual terminal in, a, like, a, a, a civilized <laughs> country. You know, where, like, it's just not craziness. And, like, people aren't, like... Taxi, 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 like coming at you and all over you and crawling yeah. on you. And like, you know, I didn't get bit. Like, I got bit like probably once the entire time I was there, which is like pretty good. By a mosquito? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't usually get bit that much anyway, but I hardly got bit. And Kim, like, she gets bit like crazy. Mm-hmm. And she got bit like three times. We actually didn't even wear bug like, spray. Or nice. And like, maybe next time I go, like, maybe it's a little bold, but I might not even take malaria pills because it's just like. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that, but it's like, you know, and I was talking to my uncle about it. He's like, yeah, they're like spraying now and things like that. I guess they're going, they're actually actively making sure that there's no standing water mm. in the city. Or if they are, then they're actually putting mosquito like birth control or whatever it is they do, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's, it's, it was noticeably better. Like, Spay and neuter your mosquitoes, people. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's a, I think it's like a, a night and day difference in terms of just a, Enjoyability, or just like the livability of the city, where you don't feel like you're getting bit all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, I guess you know, people there don't really mind it, or they get used to it, or they just they stop exuding that bite me. <laughs> I think I think what it is actually is you do get used to that sort of those sorts of changes, but when when you have people coming from different countries and uh, you know Western countries and stuff like that, and they step off the airplane into the madness and the craziness or, or maybe it's not it's not madness for the people who no, live no, there but just sort not. of the regular regular life but it's just so different that it can be a uh, like people who don't come from that can be afraid of it it's a turn off you know? yeah it's a turn off yeah. and I think that those changes are uh, are a way of sort of making it a lot more suave the transition for sure and, and, I, I, and you can get more like basically like Economic development, the more kind of easy, and you can tell that it, yeah. it's like they have really like adopted some of the Western sort of uh, yeah, they're trying to make it like a normal country, it's <laughs> like a livable country <laughs> as opposed to just like living in a flea market. Mm. You know, it's like you go to like the flea market here, and it's just like craziness. It's like stuff everywhere. Yeah. Hey, I'll buy this, I'll buy that. You know, like people just lay their stuff out. Whereas like you go to the mall, everything is very carefully. And intentionally laid out, mm-hmm. sectioned off. This is my store. This is that store. You walk. It's clean. Everything. Yeah. You know, like that. And so it's like the different mentality, right? It's yeah. like I don't know what's. I guess maybe you could argue whether one's better, or one's worse. But certainly one's a lot more calm. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think you're right. Like when you come into a place, you don't want to be overwhelmed with something that you're not used to. And especially when it has all these downsides, right? Like mm-hmm. the danger on the roads. I mean, you yeah. all the accidents that happen. You know, all the disease that happens because it's not clean, all the just insanity that happens from people not knowing where they're, who they're dealing with and like, the quality of the product that they're buying and things like that. I mean, it's not to, not to you know, diminish all the positives that they have also. But it's like, I think there are some, some things that, that could, they could, learn is a strong word, but that they could just adapt uh-huh. or, or adopt. You know, like when I used, I was telling people like, yeah, the first mosquito bite I used to get when I got to the airport in India was in the airport. Mm. You know, it'd be like, step off the airplane, wait in line to customs, get bit. <laughs> you know, it's like it shouldn't be like that. At least you should wait till you get out of the airport to get bit. Right? 
Here, but you be the one place of like sanctity where you like any place you go in the world, you don't really know where you are because there's always like a McDonald's and a Starbucks, and these are all American corporations. But there's always like a coffee somewhere uh-huh. to be had, you know, and like air conditioning. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, any country I've ever been to, really, like, except for India, like the airport's a pretty sane place. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now to tie in our sort of uh, our previous conversation and I think we've mentioned this book on the uh, on the podcasts before but the crash course and sort of the the um, the this one of the central themes of this book is that uh, energy is not going to be right. cheap for long and and so do you think things like being able to get you know your familiar coffee and your familiar whatever in in all these different places like do you think that is is uh are we living in kind of a uh a temporary situation with that or do you think that's going to stick around like everything the homogenization of of everything is that yeah is that just due to the fact that we have a lot of cheap energy right now i have a I, that's a very I, as you ask that question i have like three different tangents that i could go off on let's let's hear one of them <laughs> i think i think one of the uh the central takeaways I had from reading that book were just like, and sort of like the influence that I had, and just talking to people about it. I mean, the, the book wasn't anything new per se, but right. it's like, it just really like hit the hammer on the head in terms of like, oh, okay, all these things that you've heard, put them all together, this is the point, right? And my takeaway was kind of sustainability, right? Yeah. Like, if you look at something, you ask yourself, is this sustainable? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, yeah, like is shipping stuff in, is are shipping like branded Domino's pizza cups from wherever they're made, so that you can have Domino's in India or Ecuador or whatever country you're in. Is that sustainable? And the answer is no. Right? And it's like, is that a good thing? Then I guess it's not, right? But yeah, if you make everything locally, as long as, if it's just the brand that they're bringing and stuff like that, then I guess it's okay. Then that you think that's yeah. going to... But then at, at the same time, I think, you know, using that flea market to mall analogy, right? The flea market's a lot more efficient. Mm. Right? You get a lot more... Is it? Well, you yeah. get a lot more commerce and a lot more people in a smaller space than a mall, which is all very laid out air conditioned you have to drive there you know you have to like go to the parking lot yeah, but you have to drive to the flea market you have to Not, but, it, but the flea let's, market let's is much talk more about it from let's right? talk about it from like within the the confines of the space of the flea market and the mall like forget getting there and and whatever you walk into the flea market or you walk into the mall which is more efficient in terms of getting what you need um, well i just but this, I think the space that's required for a flea market is a lot less, right? I mean, you don't really have a huge store with a back right, with right. a back uh, room and like places to try on things. You have like your blanket or like you know your your table, your table or, or yeah. whatever, or your stall, mm-hmm. you know your stall, and that's it, right? And if you want to try something on, then we'll put a little curtain up, you, know, you try <laughs> it on or whatever. And if you don't, then that's fine. Take it home, no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And but I was thinking, thinking like, where would the flea market be? It would be in the center of the city, or it could be just in a little plaza or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas a mall, it's like a whole like thing, right? You have to have a whole space for it. It's got to be all paved. You can't just like walk there because you get tired just walking to the top through the through the parking lot. Well, no, I mean, like, like, I mean, it, all right. So you've got a either you're walking to the the flea market or you're walking to the mall. I mean, like, look at the Stonestown Mall in San Diego. It's downtown. It really doesn't look too different than any other uh, mall or any other buildings around it. So, like, if you lived in downtown San Diego, yeah, you, you would Horton go. Plaza. To, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, Stonetown is in San Francisco. Horton Plaza. 
Um, if you lived in downtown San Diego, you would just walk to that mall and it would be like walking to your city market or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, and I'm thinking about like efficiency of, of uh, getting what you want. Like in a flea market. Now, I, I love flea markets. I grew up uh, near a flea market that's now sadly been closed and replaced with a mall. <laughs> um, but well, I used to always... That would be the perfect case to use, right? I, I, I used to go there on every weekend and, and just sort of like... It was kind of like an amazing place to go and right. walk around and, and check stuff out. But it was definitely like if you were looking for something in particular, like... You weren't sure to find it. Yeah, like what I don't know, ah, but but in a in a shopping center or a mall, it's like all right, I'm looking for a jacket. These two stores have jackets. I can go yeah. to those two stores or or whatever. Um, flea market was much more fun. Yes, <laughs> I I personally got probably more satisfaction out of flea market style, uh, but in terms of like efficiency. Though, in terms of energy usage, that's, I would I say the flea market uses a hell of a lot less, that's, like, That's what I was... Fuel. More, I was thinking more sustainability. Okay, right? all Just right, like, yeah. I mean, the, the, the mall is more like a... It's, like, locked in. This is what it is. Right. This, is this is where it is. This is right. when it's open. A flea market is just kind of like... And, I mean, and by flea market, I'm even thinking, like, the market street. Right. You know, in a town where people just kind of set up. Right, know, okay. It's, it's so a little yeah, more flexible. Yeah, the, It's a more fluid, you know... The marketplace, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and, I mean, you'll probably find a jacket, you know. And, and if you if you live in that town, you live in that area, you know where to find a jacket, mm-hmm. right? I mean, fair enough. If you're from somewhere else, you need a jacket, you know. And you, you know, if you go to the mall, you know you can walk into a Gap or walk into a Macy's or whatever it is and buy the jacket and be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and thinking about like sustainability in terms of uh, or energy use in terms of like setting it up like building a mall you've got tons of machinery you've got tons of materials you've got all this sort of stuff that's coming from all over the place to construct this thing building flea market it's like oh no you just bring what you've got and if if that means you know having everything in a blanket and you put that on the ground that's it I mean kind of like back I mean now in San Francisco we have this uh, bag thing where you have to bring a bag to the, to oh, the yeah. store unless you get charged. Like, it used to be, I mean, just a year ago, you would bring a bag and you got 10 cent credit. Like, right. Yeah, 10 cent credit. <laughs> <laughs> now you're like, no credit? You, oh, this is like the norm. I have to bring a bag. Like, yeah. I have to bring a bag. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's how it is in a lot of these places, I feel like. You go and it's like, yeah, you bring your bag with you because where are you going to put your green beans? Yeah. I'm not giving you a bag. <laughs> in a way, that's kind of like charging, like airlines now charge you to check bags. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, we, you know, like, there is this extra service that now we're making you pay for, you know, explicitly as opposed to implicitly. Um, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a way of looking at it. I mean, the grocery store was always paying for bags and giving them away out of their food prices and food profits mm-hmm. or whatever. And the airline was always paying for shipping your, yeah. your checked on baggage, but... I wonder if they, like, if just, like, radical change in the way people travel starts to happen as a result of people not wanting to check bags. I wonder if they could put, like, an extra row of seats in most airplanes, like, down below. Yeah, I don't want to hear about down below. <laughs> that sounds awful. Maybe they'll put a new set of windows down there or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. They would totally, like, re- redesign things. But uh, instead we'll just of... Make, that, make the overhead much bigger. 
You know, because like now everybody just brings their overhead, like their, their oh, carry yeah. on, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I had, actually on this trip, I just brought this gigantic backpack, mm-hmm. like you know, and it's like, it was big, it was really big, and I was, I've been on planes before where like that actually doesn't fit. Oh yeah. You know, but it depends on how you pack it. But this was packed for like a trip to India for like you know ten days. So oh, it was and you, like, so you just took a carry on bag? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I took it the whole way. And wow. Because the thing is. When you fly to these countries, you don't just take, like, small jets, right? You take, like, big old right, yeah. jets. So there's... And the big old jets have usually big old aero overhead, you know... What are those things called? Overhead compartments. So yeah. they, they fit really big things. So mm-hmm. I was able to just shove my thing in there, and it, it worked out pretty well. But I forget where I was going. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Oops>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like... Uh, I still kind of forget where I was going, but the point is, you could just take that if you wanted to. You, could, if you just, they just made it easier to carry on, you right? Know? And like, they, there's more space available. Yeah. But now it's such a struggle. Like, they always spill up and all that stuff. It's like, how about? Yeah, like you said, it's like, how about we just get rid of carry on, or get rid of check in because like people are doing it so much less. Yeah. And it for, forces people to carry what they have, you know. Yeah. Though I've still seen, like, even in this trip to Ecuador, like people with just like tons of luggage. Like, you know, right. I think that always happens when you that, like when we used to go when I was a kid and I, I traveled with my mom. She would bring an extra suitcase just filled with gifts. Oh yeah, you know, or yeah. like an extra suitcase so that she could buy stuff and bring it back. Yeah, you know, and like you're bringing all everything, you know. And we used to go for like a month, uh-huh. so we would all four of us—me, my dad, my sister, and my mom—would each have one of gigantic sunsnake, you know, filled yeah. with all our stuff. And then like my mom would reserve like a third of our suitcase for all the gifts she was bringing or whatever. It was just like, and we would be, you know, we would have to have a special like van just to take us from the air, from the, our house to the airport. You know? Yeah. Um, Whereas now it's like, okay, you know, just what kind of car do you have? A, a, you know, a, a, Sel- a, Sel- a Corolla or whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Let's put it in the trunk, you know, but mm-hmm. back in the day, it's like, no, you need to bring two cars <laughs> and we might fit it in the backseat also. <laughs> But yeah, another thing that's uh, not necessarily sustainable about this, the, the new way that you can kind of see in India and maybe in Ecuador is everybody has cars now. Mm-hmm. A lot more cars. Used to be that there was like actually just a few cars on the road, mostly motorcycles, mostly like scooters and things yeah. like that. And now it's like, well, you know, it's more accessible. And I mean, obviously a car is nicer. I mean, maybe it's not obvious, but I, I think, you know, it's, it's closed you could carry your stuff with you it just feels less like you're out in the elements people are like less honking and less this less that but I mean they're certainly less efficient mm. they certainly take up more space yeah and parking is an issue you know it's just like the roads are the issue and there's only so much you can expand and things like that so that's kind of a downside of, of that yeah. s- sort of yeah. new new culture I guess so in, in Quito they, they do this thing they call pico y placa which uh, one day of the week, I think it's just Monday to Friday, um, depending on what digit your license plate ends in, you're not allowed to drive at certain hours of the day, like basically like rush hour, because traffic in Quito is absolutely ridiculous. Right. Like it's just a, a total cluster. Uh, yeah, know, it's the like, same in Mumbai. It's just craziness. Uh, and And so... The problem with it, and it sort of sounds like, oh, a neat solution, we'll take some of the cars off the road, you know? But the problem is that, like, everybody who could afford it just bought another car. 
And so now you've just got more cars in the city, even if some of them are being driven. It's like, well, now there's no parking anywhere. Oh, I it's just that. like it's just a total uh, disaster. But uh, but as soon as you get out of Quito, we took this road from uh, from Quito up to sort of the northern coast of Ecuador, and it was actually quite a nice road. Yeah, like very smooth. You know, like like the last few times I've been in Ecuador, like some of the outside of Quito roads have been like, oh my god, like that pothole is about three feet deep, and and you know, like it's, it takes up half the road. And but this was actually a very smooth, nice road, like recently paved. And it was like, wow, that's great. But you're still dealing with, it's like, it's like the curviness of, of Highway 1 on the coast. Yeah. Uh, you've got these, you know, like perilous cliffs on <laughs> the side and like people passing into the oncoming traffic yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, ooh, couldn't we have just made like a barrier and two lanes? Like that would have been so nice. A barrier and two lanes in each direction. But... Uh, I think it, I mean like maybe you have a physical impossibility with the mountains being what they are and stuff like that but it was uh, it was exciting yeah <laughs> but yes yeah, so, I mean kind of going back to what pe- people have adopted and whether it's a good idea or not yeah I think it's just like from sustain- when you think about sustainability I think just the amount of fuel that people are using nowadays like I, actually the gas consumption might have gone up well, I think it goes up every year obviously just the population yeah but I mean, just with the cars and with the air conditioning, I mean, there's you know wider access to air conditioning, wider access to television, wider access to mobile phones, yeah, wider access to technology, and it's just like, is this sustainable? Right. You know? Well, our consumption of energy just keeps growing. And right, growing and, and it's growing. like you know, it's kind of the opposite direction we really need to be going. You know. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, like like big question is like, is our population growth sustainable? Well, that, right. I think the answer is no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On this planet. Like, yeah, okay. unless we can start, like, producing food on Mars and stuff like that. Well, even like, just get, I mean, yeah, that's going to be a while before that's even the same right, way. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know what I read recently? There is, like, the atmosphere on Mars, like, is not, you know, uh, like, we can't breathe it, but it's there. And well, they were talking about, I mean, they've been talking about terraforming Mars for, like, years, right? Yeah. I guess the, the subject of total recall, right? Yeah, yeah. And they've, they've been talking about how, like, there's ice... There and if you just basically invoke or not invoke but like uh, cause global warming uh-huh. on Mars, it'll it'll like melt all this ice and all this water vapor will kind of go into the atmosphere, yeah. and then it'll become like a habitable place. And it'll have even more of an atmosphere which can actually insulate against these wild temperature swings. Yeah. Well, I think though, even like the the warmest point on Mars right now is like freezing. It's right. like right. like right. you there you don't have uh, if if people were ever to live on Mars, they would be living. Underground, or but I guess it's because like there's no there's no atmosphere, or there's well like, there is there's just there's, this very thin atmosphere. Yeah, but I mean, it's, there's no reason why the Earth should stay above freezing. Right? I mean, like like why overnight it should stay warm. And oh warm. right, I mean, okay. I, we're just a rock in the middle of the, in the yeah. space. Right? But Mars is also a lot farther from the sun. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's. I mean, it's obviously a lot farther from the sun, but at the same time, we're a lot we're pretty far from the sun in the first place. You know? Yeah, like, that's we, true. I mean. Yeah. I guess they talk about these Goldilocks planets, which are just the right size and just the right distance from their star, from their stars mm-hmm. to be just inhabitable. But I mean, is Mars so much further than Earth that it falls outside of this this yeah. range? You know, yeah. Jupiter, maybe you know, or Pluto, or whatever. You know, <laughs> Pluto's or not a planet. Anymore. Neptune, raise our glass to Pluto. Uranus, no more. Uranus. 
<laughs> Uranus, whatever it's called. I think it originally it was called uh, it was called Uranus, but people found the word urine offensive, so they went to Uranus, uh, which Rock was like, at the place. time <laughs> at the time less offensive. And now I think people are saying Uranus again because anus is seen as worse than urine. That's funny. I never thought about that. Well, you're really in, you're in luck if you like that planet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I wonder, like, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I, I looked up on Wikipedia, like, a bunch of the planets and the moons and stuff like that. And it seems like it would be pretty darn hard to uh, to get it so that, like, people could live there sustainably. You Mars. know, like, any, any, like, or, you know, the moons of Jupiter or, oh, yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think like, those are very far away. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. but, I mean, Jupiter is, like, is really big. Does it reflect any heat? And the answer is sort of, like, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they're they're very far away. They're extremely far away. But so yeah. I mean, so coming back to the original question, though, like, like, does that mean that our population needs to stop growing? Like, yeah. do we? I mean, I think that's clear. And how do you do that? Like, do yeah. is is it just a matter of educating everybody? Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's been uh, that's yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think people... I think there's a quote from, like, somebody like Desmond Tutu or somebody like that. It's like, you know, the way to get smaller families in Africa... I mean, yeah, it's all... And a problem is in Africa and these, these, you know, South American places that are sort of developing and have a lot of poverty or whatever. These are the places with really big families. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, like, the populations are declining in, in Europe and the United States, right? Yeah. I mean, or the... At the least growth the, the growth slow. is. But I think yeah. even... I think even in Europe, they've gone to the point where they're declining, right? It's, it's, in Japan, it's negative population Yeah, because it's like, you're like, you know what? One kid's fine. Or, like, you know, I'm done. Yeah, I'm good. We're happy. I don't need 12 kids around my farm or whatever right, it is. You know, yeah. it's like... Or, like, I'm not... I'm pretty sure that my kid will survive. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like if you infant mortality, if you make that not an issue, then you have education and you have like a sustainable life and and a life that you can count on. Mm-hmm. You know, and kids that you can pretty pretty assured that they're going to survive. They're going to survive. Then, then it's okay to have a couple. Then maybe people will just stop having such big families. Yeah. The only issue is Utah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Well, I mean, that might be sort of a, an education thing as well, like those about guys, certain things. I mean, those like, guys have everything going for them. And they're just making... Did you see Mitt Romney's family when he accepted the nomination? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, like, there's also sort of just a, a, a difference between, like, an individual family. You know, like, if in the future we, you know, we manage to get population growth down to, like, this really sort of sustainable level... If somebody has six kids, it's like, okay, one family having six kids yeah. is not a bad deal as long as everybody's having, you know, two, one, yeah. three, something like that. Uh, but but what I what I did see an article actually in National Geographic about was this uh, basically like this polygamist uh, patriarch guy who had, you know, something like... 50 kids and hundreds of grandchildren. Right. And it was just like, ooh, like, that's not... I mean, you can't have a whole, like, religion telling you to have, go forth and multiply. I mean, that's, that worked a thousand, two thousand, five thousand years ago. Well, it worked up till about, like, a hundred years ago. Sure, (laughs) but it doesn't work anymore. And it's like, especially when every one of them has a cell phone. 
and every one of them has a car and every one of them has a television every one of them has like something that consumes a ton of ton more energy than we actually have yeah or a ton more food than we actually yeah. have you know it's like okay if you could all if you could all find space and farms and houses and solar panels and wind generation you know like all that stuff that it sustains your own life then fine but I don't think you will be able to do that yeah you know there's just you're lucky that there's all this space around you but yeah. I mean if you just keep on your current path for 50 years the entire state of Utah or you know whatever is going to be completely filled with people <laughs> yeah well you've got that growth prosperity thing it's like you can have you can have if you have a fixed amount of energy you can have growth or you can have prosperity but if you are consuming excess more and more energy you can have both growth and prosperity but right. if you hit that cap right you gotta, you gotta sort of pick. Well, yeah. So that's that's where I mean, sustainability to me is like the key word. You know, it's yeah. like, is this like you know, revenue zero or revenue neutral or whatever it is? I mean, maybe revenue is not the right word, but it's somehow like, are we burning up as much as we're producing, and are we producing as much as we're burning up? Yeah. You know, like even just the dumps. Like, like where, where does your trash go? Yeah. Where, like, when you go to the bathroom, like, where does that go? Like, yeah. I mean. Can you well, imagine? that that stuff is recyclable and just sort of a natural process. You take a poop, it's okay. I, I mean, but, but I don't think that's. I wonder if that's what's happening right now. Like, I feel like it just. Kind uh, of, well, actually, like sewage treatment plants, I think are pretty good, and they. I mean, our, like in San Francisco, our our sewage goes into the ocean. Well, not raw. It gets treated. It gets treated, but the point is, in the end, all that stuff goes straight into the ocean. Right. It's right. not like it's being recycled. Or you know reused, no, or no. composted and taken into the fields like yeah. that. That's what I mean. It's not like it's being recycled. Yeah, it's just being put somewhere. I, would, I agree, it's being treated. Yeah, but that's not the issue. The well, issue. it would it would be probably better if we found a way to, to safely turn. No, of course, of course, human I mean, waste not into something that we put into oh, the river or the exactly. Bay or just, but I mean, we live on the ocean, so we can do that. I don't yeah. know what what do you do when you're landlocked. Well, septic tanks and stuff like that, but then they get pumped out, and I don't know where they go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, where it was one thing when you had a thousand people in your city, but now you've got a hundred, a hundred million people in your city, or not a hundred thousand people in your city. Yeah. You I I wonder uh, because there are laws against putting human waste based compost onto okay. like crops and stuff like that because it's like, well, you could have transmutable diseases and stuff like that. But I wonder about like about like non-food crops and stuff like that like cotton or whatever it's like could we could we fertilize all cotton and what other things do we not eat like hemp (laughs) (laughs) tobacco um that's a big crop and you know or even like you know ethanol based corn or corn based ethanol right well it seems to me everything i've read makes it seem like corn-based ethanol is just like a total waste. Like well, I mean, I, anyway, the point is, I'm just saying, like, foods that go into non-foods. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like plastic cups or whatever it is. Right. You know, like, I mean, or maybe, uh, like, there's some, like, grasses I think people use. Cheap grass and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be great if we could produce uh, fertilizer and energy and stuff like that. I mean, like and that might be one of the things we just break down when, yeah, like, we run out of places to put this stuff and mm. we run out of um, ways to grow things, and we, you know, it's like fracking. Mm. Right? Like fracking is what happens when gas is at four dollars a gallon. Yeah, it doesn't happen at a dollar a gallon or two dollars a gallon. Yeah. it's like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just way too expensive. But now it's like, wait a minute, it's starting to make sense. And this, the oil sands in Canada, and oh yeah, like that. Like, yeah. Well, it's, 
Well, the your net energy that you get out of those is so much less, I guess. Right. But if the cost is high enough, you do it. But but I think I think what we got to look at is like none of those, all of those are still limited resources. Yeah, for sure. You know? That's that's why sustainability is that, that yeah. word. It's just like you have to somehow come up with a way that you replace what you took. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the definition of sustainability, right? I feel like, like sometimes when I think about this, I feel like I want to go back to school again and like get like, I don't know, a PhD in some sort of energy economy thing or whatever. Like, it's like, how do you, how do you have an impact on something that's so important? Throw your hands up. Say, screw it. I'm burning gas. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to Burning Man. <laughs> So unsustainable, by the way. <laughs> and I'm leaving early. I'm not yeah. even going to stay for the verdict. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But what do you do? I mean, what, like... That's the question. You, you gotta, you gotta take, the, take the sort of basic steps of making your own life a little bit more... Yeah, you can take care of your own, but like, how do you convince everybody else? Right? How do you how do you affect without turning into that? Like the thing is, you think about the poor hippie of the of the late eighties, you know, (laughs) the the poor like you know guys you knew in high school and college who were like recycling on the environmental club and all that stuff. It's like, all right, we get it. You're a little weird, you know. The guys who are growing the big beards and wearing the the tie dye and have the dreads and like you know. It's like, oh, you guys care so much. That's really cool, you know. But now it's like everybody's all green and composting yeah. and like worried about. So I mean, those guys like were trendsetters. They were trendsetters. Yeah. They were trendsetters. But or at least just, enough of them were were not just like the you know the kind of like uh, just want to get stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's just yeah. I mean, now we're those people. I guess you could say, right? I mean, but it's becoming more mainstream yeah. because it's necessary. But, but I mean, how? But those guys were. I'm just. I guess the reason I brought those up because they're fighting this. This they were fighting an immensely uphill battle, mm-hmm. right? And is it is it that they convinced people, or was it that the need arised, or enough people realized? Well, yeah. I mean, the situation came to be like, well, oh, the, we need to do something, and these yeah. guys were, have been talking about this thing for a long time, and we should finally do it. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Well, well, you were saying, what do we do? It's like, well, maybe we just wait till oil's ten dollars a gallon. And then people will start realizing that, yeah. well, oh, these are the... So I guess you can work on ideas. Assume they won't get adopted. But then when people are desperate enough, they'll actually listen to them. Yeah. But it's kind of like the people who are talking... I guess they're saying that all the, the climate scientists have given up on studying climate science. Really? Yeah, they're just like, screw it. There's nothing I can do. I can study this thing until the cows come home, but it's still going to happen. You're not going to listen. So they're... Like, a lot of them moved on to reversing it. Mm. Like, how can we reverse it? Mm. You know, maybe we shoot something into the atmosphere that blocks all these UV rays, or maybe we, like, you know, engineer some sort of, like, domes or something. You know, like, like, <laughs> like next level where it's, like, like total recall, where it's, like, all right, screw it. We have to, like, basically live in the total, total recall kind of place where it's, like, the environment is so hostile that we have to make domes or we have to make yeah. houses or we have to make things that are, like, Resilient to the elements, or we have to change our ocean chemistry so that it sustains, or we have to, you know, grow crops in a different way, or things like that. So I, that's what I've heard. I don't. I haven't actually written an article on this. Yeah. People have told me that they just kind of given up. They stopped, stopped <laughs> studying it. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a, a across the board truth. I think no, that maybe not, maybe I mean, some people have, but. Uh, but I think there's a there's a growing resignation that's just like you know, 
people are not paying attention, and we've kind of crossed this line of no return. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, we could, we could start, you know, being sustainable tomorrow, and we could all start riding our bikes and walking and not flying and driving and not all this stuff, but still, the damage is done. Yeah. And we won't see climate change stop for another 50 years. Mm. You know, so it's like, the engine has been started and the car is moving and you're not going to turn it around before we cross that line. You know? mm-hmm. so. Good times. It's an upper. <laughs> Everybody feeling good? Happy New Year. Woo! Why did they re- remake Total Recall? More money, I guess. I mean, why <laughs> no, they, it was a total flop. Why did they remake anything? Like, so soon, too. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess Total Recall probably came out like 20 years ago. It was 20 years, years ago. ago. But I mean, but... they remade... Um, like Batman has been remade like right. five times. Yeah, <laughs> not five times, but like well, no, three times. I think the the first like Batman feature film that wasn't uh, a spinoff of that old TV series was Tim Burton's in like, like the, 1990. Yeah, yeah. And so that means in well in 23 years we've had what like three. ten Batman movies. Well, I mean, I guess like, you can have sequels. That's fine. Yeah, but to reboot it, you know, the, the, the quote reboot. Yeah, where well, like, we had we had two with Michael Keaton. We had one with Val Kilmer. Right, and then there's a George Clooney George there. Clooney. And then the three with Christian Bale. So that's th- seven Batman movies. But a, a, a reboot on top of that. You know, yeah. like they, they, the whole legend has to be retold. Well, i got to give them credit. They did better. Well, no, for sure. Like, those, like, those, those movies were awesome. Way better sure. than the but even late like, 90s ones. Like Spider-Man, for example. Yeah, they, they definitely... They, they really, I feel like it was five years after it came out. No, it, it, it really was. That, was. that was like a really quick turnaround. It was like, really, you needed to do that? Spider-Man again? It like, just keeps uh, happening. You know, yeah. like Star, well, I mean, Star Trek, they rebooted, which is, I mean, I guess. But it's like, I don't know. We had Next Generation. We had yeah. the original one. Now we have another one. And it's like, oh, the other... But the new one is basically the old one. Yeah. Starting over again. Yeah. It's a prequel. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is it? I mean, like in a way, like are these are these movies and these stories? Are they kind of like the the myths of today? Like, I mean, nobody believes that you know they literally happened, but do they tell sort of the values and the and the things that we like to believe in? And so we retell them. I think that's why any story is that's why it resonates with people, right? I mean. There's a uh, like you can compare Star Wars and Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or I should say, Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Orphans, mm-hmm. you know, outsiders who rise up to be the leaders, like you know, the chosen one. I mean, it's just like they're all kind of the same, right? And they're all kind of like castouts, yeah. Right, orphans and people who don't get along or don't society doesn't understand, and then all of a sudden they have this talent that mm-hmm. gets. Do you think that in the in the movies and stories and stuff that we do, like the stories that we do retell, do you think that uh, in light of our need to change to a more sustainable lifestyle and stuff like that, do you think that the lessons of some of those stories are are going to be invalidated by sort of the facts on the ground, and we're going to have to come up with new new stories, new? I mean, like. Look at I, I mean, don't it's know. It's kind of happened already with the Bible, I think, right? Like those are the oldest stories. Those aren't the oldest stories, but I mean they're pretty old stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, people have been using them for two thousand years. But I think, just like I said, go forth and multiply. It doesn't. You can't do that anymore. Be fruitful. Be fruitful and multiply. Okay. I mean, well, yeah. no, I mean, like you gotta, you want to continue the species, right? So that still that still holds true. Yeah, but you can't go forth. <laughs> well, that's not what it says. It says be fruitful. Oh, no? It doesn't yeah, it say go forth. Be fruitful and multiply. All right. Well, maybe that's a different interpretation. I've heard it that way. <laughs> but I think the point is, 
the point is, yeah, there are a lot of stories that you could just go and go down to the river and grab some water and like you know, but now the river's toxic. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mean I don't mean so much in like the literal sense of the stories, but like the I don't know. I think about like the the classic western. Which I love, the classic Western. And it's classic like... Classic Western it's had one a man. frontier. Yeah, right? yeah, it has a frontier and like one man and they're toughing it out and they're working against the bad guys and the elements and and whatever. And they're doing it by themselves or they're doing it in this tight little group. And the lesson is that, you know, you can be this self-sufficient individual or something like this loner can ride into town and he can change everything and he can ride out of town and like he doesn't need anything else you know that's like the John Wayne's like uh, version of it right yeah and then and then now there's like a couple westerns that they make these days that are more realistic almost right more like uh, or hyper realistic I think like you see the movie 310 to Yuma yes they really kind of like reflect how hard it was to live in the West, mm-hmm. you know, and how gritty it was. And, how, mm-hmm. and like there was also that movie, uh, the assassin, the assassination of Jesse James by the Howard Robert Ford. Yeah, I thought that was kind of dull. It was it was dull and it was very long. But the point is, like when they were doing those train robbery scenes, it kind of like removed the glorification of Jesse James and mm-hmm. it showed you how people were just trying to make it. And these guys, you know, they weren't just loners; they were like actually outlaws, and they're actually like. People were leaving their homes from the west or from the east, Philadelphia and New York, and all these mm-hmm. places, and doing the Oregon Trail or whatever it was, and how hard that was. You yeah. know, and it's like the myth is glorified, and we look at the outsiders, and we look at the the lone loners, and we look at the guy who comes into town and leaves, and then we look at the actual. Would that work? Uh-huh. And you kind of go, well, actually, that wouldn't work, right? It was really hard. And it was really gritty, and it was like you made a lot of sacrifices, and you made a lot, you do a lot of things you weren't proud of, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think there's always gonna be myths of like how it was, and then if you really reflect on it, maybe the times will tell you that that wasn't possible. Yeah. Or maybe you'll just think about it and say, yeah, that wasn't really possible, but we'll still, we'll just glorify the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll glorify, you know, like campaign present, like when presidents run for office the campaign is always glorified in, in retrospect right mm-hmm. but then you always hear about or it's glorified while it's going on but then you always hear about the losing campaign about all the, the infighting mm-hmm. and all the late nights and how like things got really tense when mm-hmm. things were getting down and things like that you know I think there's what is, what is that it's kind of like the, the the distance between the legend and the uh, and the reality and the, the situation well, but I mean the but the lessons that you take from a story and the values and that sort of thing like does that mean that that uh like i mean i don't want to be like because i i do you know i make i make movies and and videos and stuff like that and i don't want to be a cynical storyteller but i want to have i want to have a lesson at the same point or or a driving theme in my story that is that is, uh, you know, reflective of, of reality. and Well, yeah, you don't want to be on one side or the other, I guess. It's, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be glorifying or myth- myth- over-mythologizing, right? Like, overly mm-hmm. whitewashing it to be it's like, oh, I was like, I was brave and I was strong and I studied hard and I, like, right. I, I fought and I won, right? And then you don't want it to be like, this sucks. Like, everything <laughs> you do sucks and you can't win, right? Somewhere in between. I, that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, viewpoint on it. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tell a story so that 
you preserve the inspiration and the mythology of it, but then you don't get bogged down in the, the actual details, right? Or you don't let it, you don't let it become a, an anti, I guess. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, like, like if the theme of your of your story is, uh, well, say you want to you want to do, uh, I don't know, just a simple uh, shoot 'em up western. <laughs> I'm like, all right, there's nothing really. No, no serious moral weight in this thing, but uh, but it still conveys some message to to the the viewers. Like either this loner is you know a total awesome guy, or he's like an evil man, or, or something like that. I don't know. Boop. Leave that. Leave that. Thought. I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I did see um, the new True Grit on the flight down I, I, uh, with uh, Jeff Bridges. It was, uh, and I had seen relatively recently the old True Grit with John Wayne, and it was really interesting because the new True Grit, I would say, is a better movie than the old one. I think that's probably true of any John Wayne movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of it was due to the acting. Like, a lot of it was due to the fact that Jeff Bridges is better than John Wayne, and, and definitely the girl they got to play the, uh, the girl in the modern version is a lot better than the one in the, in the older version. But... But what I also thought was, like, some of the shots were, like, exactly the same. Yeah. Like, almost like, wow, did they find the exact same sets out in, like, Colorado or wherever they did it? Like, uh, it was kind of amazing. Like, that looks exactly the same as the old version. It was really just sort of interesting to, to see that. All right, cool. Let's call it a wrap. All right. This has been the Irregular Search for Truth. I don't know if we found any today. Uh, but you can send us hate mail or love mail. <laughs> love letters. <laughs> at uh, irregular search for truth at gmail.com. I'm Scott. I'm Sachin. Thanks for listening.